You may ask. How did this tradition get started? I'll tell you. I don't know. But it's a tradition. And because of our traditions, every one of us knows who he is and what God expects him to do. Hello, everyone, and welcome to Let's Talk Torah. I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson with NRM Streamcast, and we'll spend our time talking Torah, learning stuff, and having fun while we learn. You are listening to a live broadcast of Hey 19, where we will educate, illuminate, and entertain. You can always send your questions and comments to our mailbag at letstalktorah at gmail.com. Um, we're in part two, talking to my friend David Tenenbaum about his new book, Accused of Treason. If you missed the last segment, go back and listen to that first. You gotta, that'll be our one-minute introduction, which took 25. Who knows what the next question will bring? And um, and we're gonna now talk. So so David spent time explaining how I guess you would call it railroaded. We didn't have the right word of a, a group of people, or certainly one supervisor, where David worked that not only accused him of treason, but he he pushed the envelope to even force the FBI to go after David and basically convince him to admit to a crime that he had nothing to admit to. Did I get that about right, David? Yeah, yeah, that's pretty good. He he's not he wasn't my supervisor. He was just the head of the uh, counterintelligence intelligence area within uh, on my base. Okay, but sorry. But everything else is pretty much on target. Okay, I don't know supervisors. I don't know levels, but <laughs> but that I get. So um, let, let's let's go back to a few things I think are important. So the FBI person is saying he doesn't really believe there's anything here. They didn't let you have a lawyer, um, at least at the beginning. Um, anybody that would have looked with, with just honest eyes would say something's wrong here. And instead, this person almost had a mission that he needed to catch a spy, maybe for his career, even though that would have just trampled over you. Am I getting that right? Uh, you're actually right on target, because as a matter of fact, Jim Cugino, Special Agent Cugino, who was the lead FBI agent, actually said in a deposition... He said, hey, he thought that this was a career move. This guy had thought it was a career move for himself. They got the biggest spy case ever, you know, in Michigan. And they were going to, as I always said, I can't put words into people's mouth, but if I, if I was in somebody's mind, I would be saying, this guy's thinking to himself, oh, my gosh, I'll find evidence. I'll, I'll manufacture whatever I can because, you know, he, he's, he's, he's a spy. He's Jew. He's a spy, and that's what, that's what Jews do. So you're 100% right. He's a Jew. He must be a spy, which, and people will see in your book, again, that book is Accused of Treason, um, that you of all people, you love America. You would do whatever you could for America, and you could not understand, like, blindsided, I guess is a good word. You couldn't understand why they're accusing you, the patriot that you are. Am I again, I'm getting that right? Right, and actually, that's what uh, part of uh, as friends as friends of mine have said that or my kids always said you're so naive about certain things, which probably is true. Not anymore, not like I used to, but yeah. I mean, I my job, anybody's job, especially that works for the army, um, civilian, military, whatever it is, our job is to make sure the soldier 
doesn't get hurt, and comes home alive. That's it. That's our focus. They are the customers, so to speak. And we have to make sure that they come home to their families in one piece. And when people start to do things, such as it happened in this case, like in Simonini, where they start to do things where cut off the nose to spite their, their, their face, and they say, hey, we're going after a guy who's helping the soldier, and we don't care about the soldier because we want to get this guy because he's a Jew, and we're going to prove he's a spy, even though he's helping uh, our soldiers in the field. And that's, to me, one of the, the, the biggest um, a, a takeaway from this book. And, as a matter of fact, the other takeaway is, um, I, I'm the only guy speaking about this, but I think I'm one of the only people, if not the only person, in the history of the Inspector General's office where a um, report came out in my favor and there was never a remedy. <laughs> and Amazing. which shows they don't want to be held accountable for anything. And it, it, that's sad. Very sad. It is sad. It's, it's really tragic. And we didn't even begin to discuss, but let's spend some time on it now. You know, if all they did was accuse you of being a spy, if all they did, right? If all they did was accuse you of treason, and if all they did was put you on 18 months of paid leave till they could sort it out, um, maybe, you know, we could say Dayenu. But the problem was that there was tremendous pressure because they needed you to, to admit to something you didn't do. So there was this amazing pressure they put not only on you, but on your family. Could you talk about what that pressure was and, and, and really how you got through it? Sure. Um, what they, what the, the way it works, this is my understanding, what the FBI does, they'll come into, if someone's accused of something, and they're, they followed me around 24 hours, uh, a day for whatever month, their way of doing things is split you off from the community. That way, when you're alone, it makes it even worse for you. And it's a psychological warfare. What they didn't know was they were coming into a Jewish community, an Orthodox community, where it's not going to happen. You're not splitting anybody off from anywhere. What you're going to do is you're going to draw people closer, because my community, as, as you know, see, sure. they, they banded around me. No, they wouldn't let um, they wouldn't let me get shunted off to the side. But by the same token, um, there it's 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 causes a lot of um, issues. Because you remember, someone actually said to me uh, when I was going through this, they said, "What do you care? You're getting you got you got a paid vacation, year and a half paid vacation, whatever it is." And if you know the story of the sort of Damocles, where there's a sword hanging over. Uh, a guy wants to change places with the king. They let him change places because the poor guy doesn't have food or doesn't have anything to eat. And he gets a chance to get a banquet meal. And as he's starting to eat, he looks up. There's a sword hanging from the ceiling, point towards his head, hanging by a dangling thread, and he lost his appetite. That's what it was like. I didn't know if I was going to jail for the rest of my life or not. And I was actually told by one of my attorneys who wasn't Jewish. He said, I don't know what happened, Tenenbaum, but you should be in jail. And I said, I never did anything wrong. He said, that's not the way it works. It has nothing to do with it. I know he didn't do anything wrong. But the way the government works, if they're going to go after somebody, they're going to put him in jail. You would never have gotten out. So how did I, how did I get through it? Well, you know, being religious helps a lot because we realize that things happen for a reason. So you have to have a moon or you have to have faith. And that really helped, you know, keep me in the straight and narrow. My family was always there to back me. And my community was always there to back me. Without, without any of those three, it would have been, I think, impossible. Really impossible. 
Amazing. I know there's all kinds of great stories of uh, of how different community or neighbors, community members made sure to stick up for you, um, harass the FBI, I guess, legally, of course. Um, yes, yes. Or that great story. I have to I love that story with the Basiakov girls. Um, could you tell over that story? I just such a, it's just an interesting story where I didn't even know how they knew what to do, but it was amazing. What was that story? Sure. I actually, there's another story, too, which, which, which has a lot to do with this. We, um, Beishakov, the girls' school, has conventions. I don't know, it's every, every year, but it, this year it happened, that year it happened to be in Detroit. And um, Mrs. Fagelman, Allah Shalom, uh, I guess arranged that the FBI cars were all down the block on my street. You know, they were saying they were being covert, but they were purposely out in the open to try to, to try to, get me to do something that they put me in jail for. And on a Shabbos, the girls are walking, and they saw one of the FBI cars. So these, these high school girls just literally surrounded an FBI car, at least like 13, 14, I don't know how old the kids are, 15, 16-year-old kids, dancing and singing around the FBI car. And this guy, the person in the FBI car was like, I, I, you, you can almost see his face. It's like, what in the world is going on here? He, he couldn't do anything. And it, it was just showing the, the actors in the community. But I'll tell you a story which is not in the book, which I, I thought had a, had a lot to do with me seeing things. And also, not just in my community, we happened to be taking a trip. My family, we drove, we had, we had a stop in Cleveland. And we stopped in one of the stores. This happened, I think, after a couple years after I was finally cleared. We stopped in one of the food stores, a pizza place, I think it was, and the guy took my credit card, and he looked, and he says, Tenenbaum, are you the guy that was accused of being a spy? And I said, I said, yes. He said, I want you to know, our whole community was saying to him for you. Wow, amazing. We were all saying to him for you. I thought he was going to offer you a free pizza. <laughs> yeah, it's like, it, it, was, it was amazing. And Jews just, um, um, they, they stick up for each other. It was really amazing. That is amazing, and, and with all the suffering, but a little bit good feeling, because on Shabbos, there's davening, there's, we, we're, I mean, the whole thing with corona right now, the, the difficulty is we, it's so hard to be social, we're, we're social people, uh, Shabbos is a time to be social, and, um, and you were able, you, Madeline, you were able to be social, you could go eat by people, people, people still came to you, they tried to make it normal. Yes, right. I get that right. We yeah, we try to make it as normal as possible for um, you know for our kids and just for ourselves to you know stay psychologically healthy, and you know we did the best we could. But you know even when you're walking and there's cars following you, constantly there were t- times there was like six cars following me, and it, they followed my wife also up until I think they got tired of doing carpool. <laughs> so it, it it became. It almost became a joke because once people started getting tired of what was going on within the community, them, them taking advantage, we had friends of mine just started following the FBI cars. And they didn't like that at all because all of a sudden the tables were turned and they did not enjoy having people following them. And you'll see, you saw in the book, I had friends that got threatened by uh, FBI, police in the neighborhood. It, it was not a pretty sight. Yeah, so I, I, I don't remember if you went into it in details in the book, but I think we once spoke about this privately. I actually remember 
hearing a 10-second message, like top of the hour on CBS. Uh, they basically said that uh, David Tenenbaum is suing, suing the United States government for $100 million. Right, right. Now, there was, besides the fact that you deserve the $100 million, and I'd be happy to fundraise from you as soon as you receive it. Um, but there was actually another reason why you had to sue the government. What what was that reason? Did I have that right? Well, I think I have it right. Yeah, yeah. There are, there are a couple. Number one, to, we had to sue. In order to keep my job, I had to keep fighting because they were looking to get rid of me. And um, you ha- in order to to go on the defensive, you had to go on the offensive. So... We filed a lawsuit, and we filed for the maximum amount. And it was actually pretty funny because I was interviewed by a station, uh, which shall remain nameless for right now, and um, they sort of like twisted words. And they said, they asked me two different questions. They said, you, how, what you, how much are you suing for? I said, it's $100 million. Okay. And they said, why are you suing the government? I said, well, you know, I have a family to feed. They're trying to get rid of me. I need to be able to support my family. So what they did is they spliced. Oh, no. And it came out, I'm suing for $100 million because I have to feed my family. I'm like, my family must have a really great appetite for $100 million. <laughs> yeah, no, I, I think people don't understand because you say it's so, so offhanded. Um, and I, I've actually had other friends, believe it or not, so, uh, sued by the government for other things. You'd be surprised who I know. Um, and the problem is, if the government accuses you of something and you haven't actually gone to court, you actually can't protect yourself because yeah. you can't go and start making depositions to all these people because depositions for what? You, you needed to sue the government so you could make de- or take depositions to protect yourself. Do I have that basically right? Yeah, pretty, it's pretty much, if I wouldn't have sued the government, I wouldn't have gotten all the information that I've gotten so far. And that's why they that's why they got scared because they were losing after two and a half years and they, they what happened was I'm not saying this was done on purpose, I'm not saying whatever, but the judge in my case get, was changed. We had a which you're not getting into it, it became from a from a newly appointed uh, very nice woman who, you know, ruled for some things out for us and other things too, but the case was going forward. And that son of the judge decided he wanted to come back from another place in Michigan, and he was known as the government judge. And even I overheard a conversation. We overheard that, well, it was actually told to my face by one of the prosecuting attorneys in my case. They said, oh, we got the best judge in the courtroom. We're not, we're not going to give you a penny. And it wasn't, that, it wasn't that they were looking to do the right thing. They were just looking to make sure they didn't have to be held accountable. And that's the, probably the most disgusting thing in my mind, is you and I are taught, we teach our kids, you make a mistake, admit to it, and then move on. The government, literally, all they've been doing is not only have they been, been not moving on, and not only have they been not admitting to anything, they've been trying to get rid of me through all these years to the point where not only do I have not got any promotions, They've, um, I'll give you an example of something that just recently happened. And this isn't the first time I was on the phone with somebody that I was working with from the government side, not my own, just the government side. And he happened, based on a question, he asked me, we were, we were working together. He, he was a contractor. He was getting funded from another government agency. And he, he Googled my name while I'm on the phone with him. And boom, all of a sudden he says, 
I'm not working with you. I don't trust you. I, I said, excuse me? Because, well, you know, I see what's here. I'm not, I'm not working with you. I said, you know I've been cleared. I've told you that, and I've shown you everything. He said, I, it's, it's not my job to figure out who's right and wrong. I said, that's right. It's already been decided that I was right and they were wrong. He said, I'm not working with you. It's my decision. I choose who works with me on these programs. And that was it. And the stigmas followed me around to the point I couldn't get another job. I'm barely holding my own in the government because they constantly give me terrible ratings over the last few years. As, as hard as I work, as much as I try to get things done, they'll put me to work for people that are much less uh, experienced. I mean, I've got 35 years' experience and beyond. People they have you work with might be like five years' experience. I've got a doctorate, and, a, and not that I'm any, and the smartest person in the world, but I have put things overseas. My, my technology and my, my designs have, are being used by soldiers at this very moment. So how is it possible that um, I can't go anywhere and they're still trying to get rid of me? It's bad enough not, not having, being held accountable for what was done, at least make things right, and they're not doing that. Right. I think, and you really did answer the question. I'm just going to make it very clear. Um, anyone listening or reading your book, I don't remember if you said it clear in the book or not, but I did read the book. Um, <laughs> the question is, if the government has already said, we know he's not a spy. We know there was no treason. Um, so anybody would say, and, and obviously your work situation is, is not the best, to put it mildly. Why wouldn't you just leave? You're an engineer, 35 years of, of experience. There must be companies out there that would hire you. Well, the best example is just what happened, what I just, what I just was explaining, that people, if you have a choice between hiring somebody who's, uh, who, quote, and I, I use this term because I can't think of anything else, no baggage with them, why, do you want, why would you want somebody who has this black mark and, and, and around their, on their name. And um, so I have. I've, I have tried to get jobs outside the government. I've tried to get jobs within the government, and it, I, it doesn't work. I, I haven't been able to. Be, and also, besides the fact that I've been blackballed <clears throat> and I can't get another job outside the government, um, I still believe that, again, as I said before, my job is to make sure these soldiers stay safe. And I believe I can contribute to the soldiers in the field. I've developed programs which are, which are being used right now, not just in the military, but in commercial industry as well, which I hope and can say that they have saved, saved lives. Um, and I also I can't leave for the simple reason is the case is not over yet. If I left the Army right now, they have no reason, no push towards being held accountable for what they've done. They've gotten, they've gotten away with it. I'm not looking for revenge. I want to make that clear. There's no, what they do with the people that did this, that's their business. That has nothing to do with, with me. Um, I, all I want to do is clear up this case and move on. And uh, that's really what I'm trying to do at this point. Yeah, this went so far. You had senators. Carl Levin got involved. Why did Carl Levin get involved? My attorney is, is, knew Carl Levin very well, and we met with him, and we met with the, his people within his office, and um, we 
I mean, do you have time? I'll tell you a story. I don't know what, what your schedule is. We have about long. four minutes, and we got to give okay. you some time to wrap it up. Okay. So pretty much we went to Carl Levin. He ordered the inspector general to do their, their, uh, their own uh, investigation. They came out with an, actually the report. Uh, there was another report that should have gone out. This was like a draft report which was stopped from going out, even though both reports said it was anti-Semitism. The other report that did not go out, which I have a copy of, was much more damning to the, the, the Army. And, but all of a sudden, we don't know why, but nobody pushed it at that point. We asked them to push it. They didn't push it. We had a letter from Senator Gary Peters and um, um, I forgot her name, but um, we had a senator from two, two different senators that said, this is ridiculous, this is a couple years ago, uh, that you got to fix this. And the Army's basically snubbed their nose and said, oh, there wasn't enough, there wasn't enough, uh, we don't, there was no anti-Semitism here. My response was, what do you mean there's no anti-Semitism? We used to, the, the, I'll give you quotes from people. We used to call them our little Jewish spy. Anything you gave to Tenenbaum went right to the Israelis. You know, Tenenbaum's Jewish. Carl Levin's Jewish, Carl Levin's right-hand man's Jewish, it's a Jewish conspiracy. I think that's considered anti-Semitism, wouldn't you say? I would say. Um, okay, so I have really three questions I want to work with, and I'm not going to get to all of them. But um, this one's a pretty strong one, but it, it, I need a faster answer. In your book, you make comparisons about our government, not to be confused with our nation, um, to, the, the government seems to act like Nazi Germany. Um, why and in what way? What do you mean by that? Or why do you well, use a strong that, term? That's not a, a, a direct quote, but what it is is that it's, 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 it's like uh, the Special Agent Cugino said um, in a deposition. The intelligence community believes that you're guilty until proven innocent. And um, it's not the government as a whole that I, that's the problem. It's, there are certain people in the government that have been allowed to get away with what they're doing. And that should never, ever happen anywhere. So it's, I wasn't comparing the government to Nazi Germany. I was comparing to things that were happening to me as per what was going on. As uh, My father was a Holocaust survivor, and um, if he would have seen what was going on with me now, that would have killed him. He passed away a year before this happened. So, it's again, it's anti-Semitism coming back around, and nobody's doing anything about it. And that has to be stopped, especially within our government which is what we like. We'd love to get a hold of people in the Trump administration and say, please do something about this. This should never happen in this day and age. And we believe that Trump would if he knew what was going on, but we don't have the connection. Not now. Amazing. Okay, so I have two minutes left. So therefore, because I, I, I got lots of questions, but we're not getting through them, David. Um, but here's what's important for us. Two questions. What would you like to leave us with, or what message would you like to leave everyone with? And please tell us how we can get your book, Accused of Treason. Accused of Treason, you can find on Amazon. It's, uh, it, it's right there. And please write a review after you've read it. Um, and what I, what I think I'd like people to come away with is that... Um, I, I, I actually had, had, the, had the right thing to say. I'm sorry. I just uh, had a you know, brain... Uh, uh, no freeze, no problem. But um, really, to come away and don't be defined uh, as to what think, what happens to you. Be defined as how you react to it, and you can let it. I know people have gone through very similar things because <clears throat> I interviewed them 
and I talked to them. I, <clears throat> excuse me for for uh, what I needed to for my case, and it and it really affected them. And it just it has to affect you, but don't let that define you as a person. We 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 things happen to us, and there's for a reason. We don't understand it necessarily, but um, be defined as how you react to it, and 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 do the right thing. Um, you should be angry when you read my book. And people have told me that. I said, what emotions do you feel? They said, anger. And that's, I said, that's right. And, but do something. Don't just say, what can I do? Do something. Go contact your son, not just for me. Contact. If it can happen to me, it can happen to anybody. What happened, but once the government invoked the state secrets privilege, it became case law. And that means if, Mike, if you sue the government for anything, any type of discrimination, if you're black, if you're green, if you're blue, if you're gay, if you're a woman, my case will be brought up. You can't sue the government because they'll, they'll, they'll say, it's a secret. We, you can't sue us. That's, that's a terrible, um, uh, it, our rights have gone down the tubes. David, you know I love you. My time is up. This was unbelievable. Please go read that book, Accused by Treason. David, thank you for coming on and sharing. Um, I hope you all enjoyed the show. I hope you learned a lot of stuff. Remember, stay home, stay safe, enjoy your family. Thank you to the production team. We have David and Ainge on the back. I hope I've left you some food for thought. Until next time, I am Rabbi Tzvi Jacobson. You've been listening to Let's Talk Torah on NRM Streamcast. And until next week, don't forget to think about it. There's a house we can build, every room inside.